0: Amen. I heard Pastor John did a good job on Wednesdays. Did a great Amen. Job. Great job. Oh, I like oh, that. Man. And he was funny. He had a sense of humor. He went through seven, went through seven chapters. Seven, Fifteen, seven, pages seven. Yeah. 15 pages of, of notes. 15 pages of notes. That's amazing. And, and a, Pastor Russ did a good job on Sunday. See, I, I go on vacation. And I don't worry about stuff. That's right. it's like, yeah, it's on fire. I don't care. Um... <laughs> I spent like 30 seconds on Facebook the whole time. Um, so I got back and I had like 16 messages and all these things. And um, I know how to disconnect on vacation. I've learned um, in almost 30 years of full-time ministry that I, I can't fix you if I'm gone. Right. And that's why we have a good staff, amen. Yeah, so I go, I left my phone in the condo most of the time and or in the car. I just, I just didn't care. Um, does that sound terrible? Yes. No, I did care, right? But here's what here's the here's the there's the deal guys here's what i tell you when you go on vacation you need a break okay you let me say you i say you because i'm not so many people are addicted to their phone is they can't even go on vacation or, or take time without looking at their phone and you're, and you're always connected so you have to learn how to disconnect i need to preach on vacation All right? vacation stands way or something like that um Because when you need a break, you need a break. I mean, it's it's one of those things where uh, if you go on a date night away from the kids, man, just leave your phone in the car. That's what I do. When I go to Texas Roadhouse, I just leave my phone in the car. Why? Because I can enjoy my dinner. And then so anyhow, uh, that's not what I'm talking about today. That was free. What I, find, what I find is if you speak for a living, which most people don't, uh, that, that when you get back from a vacation, you ever have, you know, call it vacation brain? You all know, right? Vacation brain. That it, What I feel like is I feel like I'm up to bat, but I haven't taken a swing in 10 days. That's what it feels like. So if I say anything crazy today, it's not me. It's a jet lag. I'm not responsible for anything I say that's, un, that's offensive. Amen. I guess you guys doing all right. Trying to loosen it up, but I think I just tensed you up. Oh, dismiss the kids. They had to pull the sign out. I forgot to dismiss the kids. All right, kids, first and sixth grade. You can say I told you vacation brain. Um, you guys can be dismissed or leader. I'll meet you back there. But uh, all right. So, anyways, thanks to my staff. Um, we had a great, great trip. But it was good to be home, and I'm, I'm glad to be home. I'm glad to be sharing this message today. So we're starting a series uh, called Available, and uh, our theme for the year is visible and available as a church family. Uh, we need to be visible in the community. People need to see Christians in action, and, and we need to be available to be used uh, the way God wants us to. And so I, do, I did bring a friend today. I always try to show you something weird, and uh, I'm not even going to tell you why. Because here's what I find. When you wonder, You listen. It's a communication thing because you're all wondering why you put a mop up there. Um, I'm gonna pick a lucky person after church to practice what I'm preaching. You get that? What are you talking about, right? We're going we're gonna to talk today about the Good Samaritan. Most of us know the story, and uh, so I'm going to read the story in just a little moment, and we're going to go back and kind of divulge it. But let me read you my intro. Uh, I need to stick to my notes. I kind of got off on the notes uh, first service, and there was sometimes I got to saying stuff, and I'm like, why am I saying what I'm saying? Um, so I'm going to focus a little bit on the notes. Again, with a jet lag. Uh, so here's our focus. Our focus as a church for the rest of this year is to simply learn to be available to God's call in our life. And I want to tell you something, that every single one of you are called by God. You, you have a call on your life. It may not be to public speaking, because a lot of people think, well, if I'm called of God, then I'll be up preaching. Um, most people are deathly afraid of speaking for a living, okay, or speaking in public at all. Um, I met a lady, and Chris and I, we like to meet families, and, and she asked me what I did. I said, well, I write, and I'm a motivational speaker, and she's like, wow. And I said, I'm a pastor. <laughs> and she was born again. She was a Christian. So she completely, she a, you're right. You are a motivational speaker. So that's what I do for a living is I write and I speak. Most people don't like to do that. Most people don't like to speak. But you are called. Every single one of you are called, and that's why I want to tell you that whatever you're facing right now in life, whatever hardship you might be going through, um, you need to keep going. You need to hold on. You need to push through it because somebody is counting. If you didn't see my Facebook post this morning, somebody is counting on you to do the right thing. Somebody is Listen to me. Somebody is counting on you Amen. to do the right thing. Even if you don't feel like it, even if you feel, feel like taking one more step, somebody you may not even know about. Is, is watching you. They're, they're, they're watching how you live in your life and, and the decisions you make can determine whether they think God is real or not. Amen? So keep going. You're going to make it. Uh, stick it out. Keep going. Um, here's what I believe. I believe we get so busy in life that at times we fail to see the needs that are often right in front of us. And that's what this series is designed to do, to say, okay, we make Christianity very complicated sometimes. We make it about a bunch of do's and don'ts. And God is is saying, hey, you can know all kinds of stuff about the Bible. You can know all kinds of stuff about me. But if you're not helping people, if you're not using your knowledge to help others, what's the point? right knowledge without application is what's the point um next week um, the title of message is is the problem with paint and that's the title of next week's message and and, and i'm not really going to tell you much about it hopefully the title alone will get you to come back and go okay what is the problem with paint well i'll tell you because i painted houses professionally so i'll tell you but we get so busy okay that oftentimes there's needs right in front of us and if we will just look we'll see them Okay, God isn't, again, just looking for our availability. He's looking for our willingness. And that's what I preached a couple weeks ago that I used to say that, you know, God's not looking for your ability. He's looking at your availability. But what I found is, is that we can be available but not willing. Okay, you, you can be available. In other words, you can be free, but you gotta be willing to do what God has asked you to do. And I used my, the story of the lockout kid of having to break my window in the mountains and learning how to unlock cars. Um, if you're brand new, I was not a car thief. But I could be. Um, and, and, and so I, I had my lockout kid up here and I showed you that I used, I, my problem became a, a potential help for other people. And a lot of times we look at it as our problems as, well, that's just a problem. But God wants to take your problem and make progress with it. Are you willing to do that? Well, thus the mop. So as I was in the Target parking lot, because whenever we go to Maui, my wife likes to go to Target. And so I take a book because I know what it's going to be like. I I am not interested in walking around looking at women's clothing. Um, The woman's clothing that I like to look at is the one that she's wearing. That's the only woman's clothing I like to check out is what she's wearing. Uh, And so I just take my book. Well, while I was in the car, this guy I noticed was trying to unlock his vehicle. He had an older vehicle and and the window was down about that much on the passenger side. and Everything was buttoned. He had his cart. You know, he's got stuff in there and don't ask me why. The guy was shopping at Target, but he was there. And, uh, and, and I'm looking at him, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. He's like right next to me. So I get out of the rental car, and I said, hey, man, I, I have my tools are all back in Idaho. Otherwise, I would help you. And so he's using his antenna trying to, to flick the lock, which is the, the side flip, which is hard to do. And I was like, you're not going to get it with that. And so I'm looking around going, what can I find in Target parking lot to help this guy? And so I happened to notice that this little Filipino lady has got her cleaning car outside and she's out cleaning some stuff up. And I noticed this mop. And she's got this big old wooden mop in which I didn't want to take the one that we have, cause it's all wet. And so I looked at that, I went, that might be long enough to reach all the way across and get to the driver's side. And so I said, let me go ask that lady if I can use her mop. So I ran over there and I said, Hey, can I use your mop? And she's looking at me like, dude, get away from me. Um, what, what are you doing? Why do you don't take my mop? Well, she couldn't speak English. So I was telling this guy, I locked his car. And, and now I have to do charades, <laughs> like, because she has no clue what I'm talking about. And, um, Finally, I, I explain. I pointed over and the guy's still trying to get in and she goes, oh, okay. She goes, well, I'll be broken English. I'll be over here, but yeah, you can use my mop. So I grabbed the mop and I'm running across the parking lot with the mop. Um, I should have rode it like a horse. That really got people's attention, but I did it. And so I was able to get it in through the window and, and the window is, I mean, it's barely fitting. And I'm like, Lord, please help me not to break this guy's window, you know, because that can happen. And I was able to actually get enough leverage on the driver's side to flip his lock and, and unlock his car. And it made my day. I was like, man, I got to help someone. It was so cool. And I went and put the, the, the mop back and the lady was like, did you get it? I was like, yeah, I got it. And um, So I amazed a Filipino lady in Target by unlocking a guy's car with a mop. Now, had I asked the mop's permission, if the mop would have said, I'm not made for unlocking cars. I'm just—I'm made for cleaning stuff. Okay, I, I can't be used for anything else other than what I was designed for. We have this mentality sometimes that well, God designed me for one specific thing and I can't do anything else. Well, fortunately, the mop in Maui—I should have titled the message "The Mop in Maui." That sounds good. Uh, it was just available. Okay. But there's times in our lives when we see somebody that needs some help and we get, we're we like, I can't help you, sorry. When we need to, to look around and go, okay, what can I do to help the situation if I can? Okay. Are we available? Okay. Again, you might think I just have one specific purpose, but God wants to use you maybe in ways that you never thought you could be used. So that's what we're talking about today is just being available. All right, so fulfillment, and I got my, I got my box here. A couple of years ago, I had to ask you if you knew, if you had ever heard of Amazon today. I don't have to. All you see is the sticker and you know, you know, the big smile. There's a smile hidden behind the tape. Does anybody not know what Amazon is? Didn't think so. I didn't even have to ask it Okay, Amazon is amazing, isn't it? You need something, you click on it, you order it. And, and this one says, Amazon Fulfillment Services. Isn't that great? Now, I wish God was like Amazon, I wish I could go online and say, God, this is what I want you to do and I want you to do it for me now. I want one day to, no, I I want right now delivery, Lord. I I want to order what I want from you and God, I want you to send me what it is that I order because I need it or maybe I just want it. Well, God is not like Amazon, okay? Amazon, or I should say, fulfillment doesn't come from Amazon. It comes from making a difference in the lives of others, Okay. But they do have the concept, right? And their concept is serving their customers. How God isn't like Amazon is, He doesn't exist to give you everything you order awful quiet in this church right that's not why he exists but we begin to think he exists that way and as a christian because we have been trained that if we want something we order it and we get it you know it used to be long delivery then it became two-day delivery if you have prime and now it's like one-day delivery now that NAMPA's is building an amazon warehouse Bro, I'm excited about that. It's right. I might get it today, right? I need an alternator today. I'm going to get my alternator today. Um, but we, we have been trained that when we order it, we should get it immediately. And we kind of do that with our prayer life. We kind of think God is Amazon. Like he, He's not Amazon, but he is amazing. Amen. And he won't always give you what you want, but he will always give you what you need. and He will give you what you need when you need it, not when you want it. Necessarily. So some of you have have prayed, you say, Okay, God, could you give me what I want? And God says, Well, if it's what you need, I'll give it to you, but I'll give it to you when I want you to have it, not what you want. And so be patient, okay? Going through some stuff, be patient. God will deliver. Um and so he's amazing. The question I have to ask you first is this what gets God's attention? What gets God's attention? Have you ever thought about that? What what is it that could get his attention? Now, I believe, this is, I truly believe this, that guy in Maui that was locked out, okay, we'd been to Target a few times. That was the first time I'd seen the cleaning lady outside with a mop, okay? And, and I happened to park right next to the guy, and I happened to see a mop. I happened to be the one person that probably could help this guy and no, I did not lead him to Jesus right there. I probably should have, but I didn't feel like this is the opportunity. I would be like, dude, I'll unlock your car, but I'm gonna lead you to Jesus first. And if you let me lead you to Jesus first, then I'm gonna lock your car. Now, being Jesus is doing Jesus things, right? It's just being Jesus to people. There are opportunities, yeah, we tell them about Christ. But sometimes I think we make Christianity so like religious that we feel we have to give them a card every time. Sometimes God just wants us just to bless people. Okay, And if there's opportunities, then then you share the love of Jesus with them. All right? What gets God's attention? I believe that God's favorite thing to hear from us is a yes to what he asks of us. Just as we get joy of watching our kids help someone else out, I believe that God is the same way because we're made in the image of God. We love it when our kids are helpful, aren't we? When we see our kids help somebody else, doesn't that make joy in your heart? Okay, My son, he, he had a friend, um, Super Bowl Sunday, his alternator went out in his car and uh, Travis joined us. He, 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 he called my wife and he's like, do you think, do you think I could come to Hawaii with you? <laughs> what are you gonna say? No. <laughs> no, we don't want you because we haven't seen him for a while so we miss him. And, uh, and yeah, so he bought himself a ticket. Well, the day before, two days before he was gonna leave, um, his friend's alternator went out. Well, my son knows how to fix that kind of stuff so he helped this guy fix his car. Pressed for time, okay, but he knew he would save him a lot of money and that made me very proud that my son was willing to help somebody with it. You even know, hey, I got to get ready for this trip. Let's make it happen. Okay? And I believe that God sees us when we say, let's make this happen, that he's proud of that. So the message today is very basic. Um, I think we often get so busy in life, we forget the basics of Christianity, that we're really here to help other people in life. Um, here's a phrase, we serve God by serving people. I, I love God by loving my wife. I love God by disciplining my children. <laughs> I like that one. Because <laughs> the Bible talks about spanking. All right. So it's just like, I'm just loving God by loving you, bro. I'm not just, I'm going to, let's just move on. Jet lag. <laughs> I know I needed lots of spankings as a kid and I'm glad that I got them. All right. So we're in the book of Luke. Uh, Jesus tells us this story. Again, what gets God's attention? Good question. Jesus tells us this story to give us an idea of what's important to him. Um, so let's read it. Here's why I'm in it. I didn't do this first service. I'm going to read the whole story, second service, and then we'll go back and talk about it. It says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, what is written in the law? Jesus replied, how do you read it? And, And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus goes on to tell him a story that we'll read in just a moment. Let's talk about the the verse 25. Expert in Jewish law, an expert Stood up to test Jesus. So here's the surroundings. People are sitting down. I believe Jesus is teaching. And this expert in the law stands up and he wants to test Jesus. And the word test here is used three times in the New Testament. It's the same word that when Jesus was in the desert and the the devil tested him for 40 days. It's that same word. So we know there's some trickery behind it. This guy has an ulterior motive. I believe this man knows who Jesus is or who he thinks Jesus is. Isn't this Jesus? Isn't this the illegitimate son of oh, Joseph and oh, Mary, she got pregnant before they got married and it wasn't Joseph and it was all. They knew about this stuff, okay? Facebook isn't the inventor of gossip, okay? Humans are, all right? And this expert in law going, who is this guy? He's a carpenter. He's an illegitimate son and he's teaching us. He, he's got the authority. He has no schooling. So I want you to get into the, the context of really what's happening here. So this guy thinks he's gonna trick Jesus, Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, the trickery behind it, the motive, he thought, was to trip Jesus up. It's like a spiritual chess game. And I wrote here, watch out for these people that just want to draw you into an argument. Their whole goal is just to get you to argue with them. Uh, I've made you know Facebook posts before. I thought we were inspiring. And then somebody's got their little... Two It's worth like a peso in my life. They, they try to like reverse what you said and make you say something you didn't say. And, and I usually have these defenders. They're like, dude, it's not what he's even talking about. Why did you change what he said? Um, and so uh, they're called Facebook trolls. And I wish I had a little troll here because their, their hair is always on fire, right? It's always crazy. And that's what these people live like. Uh, Facebook trolls, uh, they're antagonists. All they do is they want to antagonize, and I would give you permission to block them. If they can't add anything good to your stuff, and if they're just antagonistic, just block them. I had to do this to one person, okay? There was one person that uh, I would post something, and just antagonize everything that that was negative um, about what I said, and he just did these stupid accusations, things, and I finally, because I've never unfriended anybody, but I ended up just blocking him completely, Because he was so antagonistic. It did did nothing good. Uh, Very, very angry person. So the question he he asked is, what must I do to inherit? Let's think about that. You don't do anything to inherit. Somebody else has to do something. They have to what? For you to inherit something, they have to Die. die. All right. That's a bad deal. And here's the question this guy asked, what do I got to do to inherit? Well, the inheritance depends on what someone else does. Little did he know that he was talking to the very one who would die on a cross okay, that would allow us the chance to inherit eternal life if we so choose. You have to choose that inheritance. Okay, just because Jesus died on the cross for your sins doesn't mean you're going to heaven. You have to accept it. Okay? You have to accept it. Anybody ever send you a friend request or you've sent somebody a friend request and they didn't accept it? If they don't accept it, you're not friends on Facebook, are you? And if they didn't accept it, you're probably not friends (laughs) for a reason, right? The same thing with God. God basically sends us a friend request saying, I want you as my son, as my daughter, but you have to accept what Jesus did on the cross to go to heaven. If you've never made that decision today, would be a good day to do that. Don't wait till tomorrow. You're not guaranteed tomorrow, okay? Get right with Jesus today um, if you're not right with Jesus. So this guy's trying to to, to test him, and Jesus sees his motive as he always does, and he asks him a question. He basically says, well, you're the expert, you tell me. What do you read in the Word of God? The best way to answer a loaded question like this is what does the Word of God say about it? When people ask me, well, what do you think about it? It doesn't matter what I think, guys. It matters what this says, okay? People ask me, well, what do you think about sexual sin? Whether it's homosexuality or adultery, fornication, any sex outside of a union between a man and a woman in a marriage is a sexual sin, okay? What, what do you think of it? It doesn't matter what I think it's what the word of God says. Right. It's what the word sin is still sin. God did not change the law to, to meet your lifestyle. Our lifestyle has to change to conform to the word of God if you want it to work. You ever been pulled over by a cop and had the cop go, hey, what do you think about the speed laws? What do you think about that sign back there says 55? I know you were going 80, obviously. I kind of know what you think. And, and, and he gave you the option to give, what do you think about speed laws? And you say, well, I just think they're unfair. The cop said, okay, well, carry on. Go do what you want. Wouldn't you say that would be crazy? Yeah. What do you think about stoplights? Well, I don't like them. Okay, well, then you just go ahead and go through them if you want to. Because what you think and what you feel is, is, hey, just go, No, no. No, you would not answer that way. We think it's crazy. But when a pastor gets up and says, hey, this is what God's word says about it it's all of a sudden hate speech. No, it's love speech. Telling you your sin is gonna end up end you up in hell is not hate speech, it's love speech, right? The, the bridge is out, you're driving toward it. My job is to say, hey, the bridge is out. Whether you stop or not is up to you, right? My job is to tell you the truth and what the word says. It's not to interpret the law, it's to just read you the law and say, this is what God's word says about it. So if anybody tries to trip you up or, track, or test you, you just have to go back to what does the word of God say about it? because what I think doesn't matter right what you think about the speed laws it does not matter to the judge ever had a judge go what do you think about the laws I think they're unfair okay you're off that society would not work would it okay but according to God's word We got to just say, okay, this is what God's word says about it. And that's what I'm going to believe. So what do you think about things is kind of a crazy deal. And here's what the guy gets. He gives the correct answer. Okay. Jesus says, what is written in the law? How do you read it? The expert says, well, love the Lord, your God with all your heart, all your soul, your strength, and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, you are correct. A plus. Perfect answer, one hundred percent. Do this and you will live. And then the guy has to ask another question. It says he wanted to justify himself, so he asks, "Well, who's my neighbor?" He, now he wants to know specifics, and it's a question that he asked that he wished he wouldn't have asked. You ever asked a question you wished you wouldn't have asked? You ever asked your wife, guys? You asked your wife a question you wouldn't have asked. Ladies, you ever asked him a question you wish you would have? Asked? The question like, "Are you wearing that to church?" <laughs> yes, I am. All right. Man, don't ever say that to your wife. Are you wearing that? Unless it's risque, then you have the right to do that. Um, and you can keep your kids from dressing that way. But, but I've asked questions that, that all of a sudden when I heard the answer, I was like, I wish I wouldn't ask that question. Like when I was a kid, I asked permission to do something that I wanted to do. When I was told no, I was like, darn it, I should have just did it. Right? Because sometimes a spanking is worth doing what I wanted to do. That's what my dad told me anyway, um, that I always contemplated. Like, is this worth a whipping? And most of the time it was yes. <laughs> I'm just gonna do it. The correct answer, okay? He gives the correct answer, but here's how I read this. Apparently this guy isn't living it because of how Jesus responds to him, which brings me to the statement, knowing what is right isn't the same as doing what is right. I can know the speed law, but I cannot do the speed law. I can know that I need to help somebody in need, but not help them. Okay. I can sin. The Bible says, "by it's called omis of sin." It's by it's by knowing what you should do and not doing it. There's actually we can actually sin by not doing anything. Um, so knowing what is right isn't the same as doing what is right, and that's really the struggle that we all face, right? We, we, we all face that of, of, I know what I should be doing, but I end up doing something different. And this religious guy like us, at times we try to justify our bad behavior. We're going to talk about this in the book of Jonah on Wednesday nights. So if you, want to, if you want to come Wednesdays, uh, what we do is we do a verse by verse on Wednesdays. We go like what you would call deeper into each verse. Um, Sunday mornings, we just don't have the time to, to go verse by verse. But Wednesday night, uh, we go expository. I mean, we get into the history and we're going to talk about Jonah and where God... Told Jonah, go, and he said, no. Like, I'm not, not doing it. And we see this rebelliousness in this man of God who, who loves God, but he doesn't really want to do what God wants him to do. And so, that, our Wednesdays, we're going to go uh, deep into the book of Jonah. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, this guy gives a correct answer, okay? Which, again, it's a struggle we all face of knowing what is right, but not doing what is right. And again, Jesus says, hey, you're correct. Do this and you live. And then he asks this question and, and who's my neighbor? Who, who do I have to love? Let me read you here some, some facts. In this culture, religious Jews did not associate with people like Samaritans. Samaritans were half-breeds. They were half Assyrian, half Jewish. They were outcasts. They were looked down upon. It would be very similar to um, the horrible thing of racism early in, in American history, okay? It would be like saying the KKK needs to be friends with black people. It just didn't happen, and it's horrible. God does, does not, he looks down on racism, guys, Okay? God looks at us as sons and daughters. You didn't see the color of our skin or where we came from. Okay? And, and, and unfortunately, in early America, um, in the name of Christianity, there was slavery, and it was a horrible, horrible, horrible thing. Okay? But I wanted to paint this little picture because that's what's going on here. This religious guy would not associate with the Samaritan. It's like, no, they're outcasts. They're dogs. They're worth nothing. And so Jesus is going to make this point here. He's not going to like the answer Jesus gives him because in his mind... He doesn't have to love those who are different than him, those outside of his community. His attitude is this. I just have to love those who are like me, not less than me. And, and Jesus is gonna nail him for this. And he knows the motive. Uh, he knows this guy's trying to trick him. And so here's, here's what he says. And he says, like, let me tell you a story. Who's my neighbor? Well, let me tell you a story. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he fell into the hands of robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, they beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. So they beat him severely. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite. When he came to the place and saw him, uh, he, he passed by on the other side. And King James actually says that the Levite went over to him and looked at him and went, dude, you're messed up. And then walked away. But a Samaritan expert, the man that you think is worth nothing, the Samaritan? As he traveled, he came to where the man was, and when he saw him, took pity on him. He went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. When he put the man on his own donkey, or I'm sorry, then he put the man on his own donkey, he took him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins, and he gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have." Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the house of robbers? Here's where the expert in the law is like, I should not have asked the question. The expert in the law replied, oh, the one who had mercy on him. And I think it was a very reluctant answer, but he knew it was the right one. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. All right, let's talk about this for a moment. Here's some lessons. This is a man went down, very generic. Jesus is specific with the Samaritan. He's specific with the Levi. He's specific with the priest. But he says, amen. We don't know what the color of his skin was. We don't know his status. He just said, amen. What does this tell us? This tells us that God, again, sees a human as a human, as a person. And I think that's what Jesus is trying to say here. You can't put him in a category. He was a man. He was a human. One of the things that you'll see in Hawaii, if you ever go there, is you see there's quite a few homeless people, okay, because it's warm. And, and I have compassion. And at the same time, I said, there's choices made. There, there's, there's you're here for a choice um you know i've actually talked to some of them before um helped some out um there's one guy there that he just sings jesus songs that he sits on a man is he just strums and and i got his name's patrick and i got to know I saw him last year didn't get to talk to him this year he's still there um and and i thought he's got to be off a little bit he's not he had an amazing miraculous salvation um in a park and now he just sits there and plays worship music i mean he writes these songs and he just witnesses to people he's got this like this little ministry going on um and so that was cool. We, Travis and I sat down and talked to him for about 15, 20 minutes. And um, uh, just kind of outcast from his family because of, of his decision to follow Jesus. But uh, anyhow, it was just a great thing. But that's kind of his ministry. And he reaches out to homeless people. It's really a cool deal. Um, so he's using what he has. Okay? Because we say well, this is what ministry should look like. But that may be the very thing. And that's what he feels is this is what God has me doing. He says it's inconvenient. It's not comfortable. But this is what God has me doing at this point in my life. Can we say the same thing? Because oftentimes ministry is inconvenient, okay? And we have to reach out to people, a man or a woman, not a race or a gender. It's, it's a man or a woman. Now, Jerusalem, okay? Because if we don't know some history here, we'll miss this. Jerusalem, as most of us know, if you've been in church for very long, is the city of God. That represents the city of God. Jericho was a city that was cursed, So I want you to paint this picture. They're going from Jerusalem to Jericho or taking down this road. It's about a 15 mile journey from Jerusalem to Jericho and it's a 3,500 foot elevation drop. That's steep. That's a steep thing. So it was also known for uh, robbers and bandits. Um, The historian in the third century named Jerome, he called it the bloody way. Okay, it was a bloody way because people got beat up all the time. Well, I, I pulled something out of this is that anytime we leave our Jerusalem or our covering of God, and we head down to a cursed city, that path is always full of robbers and blood, right? Anytime you leave God's covering to go to a place of sin, you're always going to get beat up. You might be promised fun. You might be promised pleasure, but Satan is here to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he always is. So stay on the path of God. Well, the priest, okay, and the Levite, they were coming down. And what we believe is that the priest of the Levite had done their religious duty in Jerusalem. In other words, they, the, Levite, the priest had, a, a, I guess, an assignment, you would say, a certain amount of time that they would go serve in the temple. A Levite, okay, because a priest, I don't want to, I don't want to confuse you here. Um, the tribe of Levi, were, their tribe was to serve God. Okay, again, this is a whole Bible study thing. Their their tribe was to serve God in different ways. So you could be a priest. In order to be a priest, you had to be a Levite. But you could be a Levite and not be a priest. But a Levite still served in the church. Okay, they did something around the synagogue. So what they believe is that these guys had finished their tour of duty. They were headed back home. And coming down again, they'd fulfilled their religious duties in the temple. Let me just read this to you because... Just like, you look, some of you looking at me with the way my wife looks at me at times when I don't make sense. Which is often, apparently. <laughs> Let me read. Sometimes it's easier to stick to your notes. All right. All priests were Levites, but not all Levites were priests. But they still had a religious role. Religious leaders, who you would think would be the first to help, left the guy to die. They had important religious stuff to do, of course, rather than help somebody. See, this would be similar to me leaving church today, seeing a wounded person lying on the road that got hit by a car and leaving him because I'm hungry and I already got my religion out of the way. I could drive off and go, yeah, I would help you, but I already preached two sermons. I met with some people. I did this. I did my prayer. did my study. Sorry, I don't have time. It would be the same thing. The very people that you think that knew the word of God would be living the word of God. So God is not impressed with the religious people. God is not impressed with those who know his word but are willing to do his word. Who is Jesus impressed with? Jesus is impressed with a Samaritan. The one that is looked down upon in society, and that's the one that got Jesus' attention. Again, Jesus is making this point. It's, what you, it's not what you know about God or the Bible that matters. It's what you do with it. So God is not impressed with your knowledge of him. He's impressed when we have compassion like him. And that's really what today is all about. It's about being available to say, okay, how, how do I put my Christianity into practice? How, what is it that God expects me to do? Because I can read my Bible all day. I can pray all day. But if I'm not making a difference in the lives of other people, what's the point? That makes sense? I mean, it makes sense. So you don't have to be the scholar to, to do something for God. Some of you are brand new to Christianity. You might be thinking, well, I just got to wait till I get all this Bible knowledge before I... Can. No, that, that is not, right? Do what you know. You might know one verse of the Bible will live that one verse. Right. Do what you can. It's not really what you know. It's what you do with what you know. And going to, again, verse 33 through 35, he says, but a Samaritan. <laughs> Jesus is saying, the people that you look down on, the one that you think isn't worth anything in life, sees this wounded guy and does something about it. And not only does he do something about it, he puts him on his own donkey. That's a, long, that's a long ways. He, he puts the wine and oil on the wounds. The, the oil would loosen the wounds up because you know what happens when wounds, they, don't, they get all dry and crusty. He puts oil on it. The wine was a disinfectant. Okay? And then he takes him to an inn and takes care of him. probably washes them up. And not only that, he pays for the guy's care. He goes, incubator, here's some money. And if you, any more expenses, put it on me. Here's what I know about ministry. Sometimes helping others out can cost you. And sometimes it's inconvenient, but it is always worth it. It is always worth it. Do not let cost and inconvenience keep you from doing what needs to be done to help some people. See, Jesus was about to live this out and what he would do for us. It cost him his life. It was not convenient for him to leave the comfort of heaven, to come down to this dirty old earth, to inhabit a human body, to get beat and get hung on a cross because of what we did, because of our sin. But he did it. Why did he do it? Because you were worth it to him. And you are worth it to him. You need to know that today, that you were worth so much to God that he would send his only son to die for you. Aren't you glad I'm not God? Because I ain't doing that with my boy. I love my son too much. I'm like, God, no, you got yourself in trouble. I'm keeping my son. You'd be glad that Stan's not God, right? But that's what God did. So if you wonder, does God value me? He valued you with the life of his son, Jesus. He absolutely valued you. Don't think that your sin has disqualified you from being loved by God. Your sin is actually what caused God to love you even more because you were stuck in a trap you couldn't get yourself out of. So when we wake up in the morning, guys, we need to not think about all the problems we're facing. Our first prayer needs to be, Jesus, thanks for a second chance. Thank you that you saw something in me that I didn't see myself, that you saw value in me, that you were willing to give your son so that I would live. Don't ever think of yourself as not valuable. You're, You're very, very valuable to God regardless of your sin. And like, like I said before, that, that when you confess your sin isn't when God finds out about it. Okay. He knows you did it when you did it. He just wants us to confess it. So Jesus makes a difference in all of our lives, okay? it costs something, but it's so worth it. And Jesus seems to be saying here that a brand new Christian who has limited Bible knowledge could be more spiritual than a Bible scholar because it's not just the knowledge, it's the action, So it brings us to this question, as a Christian, are you visible and are you available? That's what God, I believe, is asking of us this year as a church, um, that that we would be visible in our community, visible to our neighbors, and that we'd be available. Even if you're a mop thinking, well, I do mop things, well, God might want you to do something different. Are you just willing to say, sure, God, (laughs) that's how you want to use me. Go ahead, right? I'm just, I'm available and I'm willing. So verse 37, because Jesus asked the question. Jesus asked a lot of questions. you ever notice that people ask Jesus a question and he'll ask a question back? It's like a little kid. Like, it's like my, my granddaughter, Kayla. She, her, she, she goes, but why? But why? But why? It, it got shortened to why now? But why? Like, I asked her, like, don't pull your, okay, Holly, you know the little Polly Pockets? Oh, yeah. She got Polly Pockets. They're like this big. So she comes downstairs yesterday and she has her Polly Pocket and it's got one leg because they stretch, you know? And she stretched the left one just a little too far. And so she's got the leg and she's got the body and she's hopping around. She's like, Polly Pocket has one leg. And I'm like, sweetheart, you don't pull the legs off those, but why? I said, you want me to pull your leg off? No. This is a conversation with a four-year-old. And, and, and she's like, do you have glue? I was like, well, yeah. So I, I Shoe Goo is my favorite stuff in the world. So I, I Shoe Goo Polly Pocket's leg on that. I put Polly Pocket out of the way, in the, behind the door. I mean, it was, she saw where I put it. Um, and I'm like, you can't touch Polly, okay? Just leave Polly alone. So the next morning, I noticed that she has a Polly Pocket. And I was like, how did she get that? And Chris said, well, she took a ladder in there, and she was pointing, like, give me Polly. And so Polly has both legs now. Shoe Goo fixed her. But I said, honey, don't, don't pull Polly's leg off, okay? Just leave, be nice to Polly Pocket but why? We've got to go through this. I think, I think God sometimes laughs and is frustrated at the same time with Christians. God, God's like, don't do that, but why? Because you pulled your leg off last time, yeah. but why? I don't know why. You're, I mean, God knows why because he knows everything, but it's like, but why? But why? There's times that God just doesn't want us to say, but why? Just to say, okay, God says, don't pull the legs off and everything baby Okay, God, I, I won't. I want to, because I think every little kid wants to know how far Polly's leg will. I mean, this is a girl. A girl should be more compassionate than my daughter, my granddaughter, but she's a beast. Um, she's like, I'm gonna see how far it stretches. Don't all of us do that with things with God. We want to see how far we can go. We want to see how far we can push it without causing any damage. And and we tend with our sin and temptation, we're like, how far can I get away from God? <laughs> Okay, God. I oh, come to the altar, Lord. I broke Polly's leg. Yeah, um, you know, can you fix it? And Jesus always fixes it. Jesus is like the shoe goo. It's like I can fix that. Okay. And what's he tell us to do? Don't don't push it so far. Don't push it so far. But God loves you. God cares about you. He knows what you're facing. He's gonna get you through it. So this religious guy, when Jesus said, which one was the neighbor? The expert in the law replied Well, the one who had mercy on him. I think it was a reluctant answer. And here's what I got out of this is that the expert in the law couldn't even say the Samaritan. He had to make it generic. Well, the one. Why? Because this guy, the expert in the law was in the same classes of priests and Levi. He knew all everything. He thought he was good. And here's what I found in the Bible that Jesus had a bigger problem with the religious people than with the sinners had a bigger problem with those who pretended or acted like they knew God because they knew what God's word said, but they weren't living it. They were the mop without mopping. They looked good. They were the mop that they didn't want to mess with anybody else's sin. Why? Because they were nice and clean. Um, I've had things before that were brand new that I didn't want to (laughs) use. I had knives that I didn't want to use because I was afraid I was going to get them dull. Anybody else weird like me? Good, thank you for four of us. Uh, okay. It was like, well, if I use it, then I'll dull it. And I'm kind of have this thing with sharp knives. And so my dad bought me this new hunting knife that's got disposable blades. And I'm even sharpening the disposable blades because I want to get the most out of it. Um, and my dad's like, I bought you 50 packs. Just take it off and put a new one on there. Uh, and and I, God doesn't want us to be super sharp knives all the time. He wants us to be used. Okay. He designed, or me, God, makers designed a knife to be used. And used knives are gonna get dull. So if you feel dull today, it's because God's using you, okay? A knife that never gets used might stay sharp, but it's never gonna be useful, never going to become what God intended it, okay? And we are to be a, a knife, basically, and God's scabbard to be used when he needs us. So here's what he said. Jesus answered him after I guess, it, well, the, 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 guy, the one guy who helped him, and Jesus looks at him and says, go and do likewise. So putting this into practice, and then I'll let you go home. I could keep you because it's raining. <laughs> Some people stay home because it's raining. Amen. Sissies. Yeah, you're online. I know who you are. I love you. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> now watch the views. are all going to drop off because I just offended y'all. All right. He says, go and do life. So putting this into practice, this whole message, look for someone this week. Here's your homework. Because if I, if I just preach a message that don't give you homework, what's the point, right? Look for someone this week to help. Ask them if they go to church anywhere, and if not, invite them. Okay, if you're online, you go to a different church. Um, invite them where you go to church. It is so easy to evangelize. This is being visible. It's being available. Some people are just waiting for somebody to invite them. They're just waiting. Okay, how hard is it to invite people to church? Well, it can be really hard sometimes. Why? Because we're afraid they're going to say no. But when you help somebody and you have this little conversation and say, "Do you go to church anywhere?" And if they say, "No, I don't," okay, say, "Well, hey, I'll we'll invite you to my church." If you're too scared, blame it on me. Say, well, my pastor told me to invite somebody, so I am. Okay? We did that at a restaurant recently when uh, Pastor John and Chase and I went to lunch. And uh, we just talked to, to the waitress. And we gave her a good tip. And we said, you go to church here? And we're like, no, we just moved here. We're looking. I said, well, come check it out. Okay? I haven't seen her yet, but it's a seed planted. Okay? It's a seed planted. So what a better witness than to help someone and tell them where do you go to your church and, and to say, hey, you know, I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to help you. If I can unlock your car with a broom handle, I'm gonna unlock your car with a broom handle, okay? I, I, we, I get stuck in the mud in between services. So I went out there and I preached a sermon about not driving into the mud because what kind of person <laughs> drives into the mud, right? He's a friend of mine. We all get stuck in the mud. And we said, sorry, buddy, you got yourself into it. You have to get yourself up. I hope your prayer laughs up and I hope an angel gives you, no. I threw my pickup keys to read my son-in-law and he went out and pulled the guy out. (laughs) When we have the ability to help, God wants us to use the ability to help. So find someone this week that just needs some help, whether again, as I return somebody's cart. And I promise you, when you begin to look to help people, you will feel better about life. Because I always feel good helping people. It's like, man, I got to help someone out of their mess. And that's a good feeling. And that's why Jesus said, it's better to give than to receive. Man, it's better to bless than to be blessed. And when we bless, we end up getting blessed. We feel good when we help people, right? Or at least you should. Okay, thank you. I can, I can preach to one. I didn't preach last week. I went to church, but y'all want to want out? Just give me a courtesy, amen. amen. I thought so, all right. <laughs> I'm not sure how to take that. It's like, shut up, preacher. Sure we want to go home. Um, but anyhow, let, let me pray for you. Father, thanks again for this day. I thank you for this lesson. As we go through the series of just being available to you to not complicate Christianity, but just to maybe give it just a, a smile to somebody who could make their day. Lord, uh, hello, or uh, how are you doing? Helping somebody with their cart. Just being nice to people. Help us to live the Bible, Father. And again, it's not the knowledge, it's what we do with it. And put somebody in our path this week that we can be a blessing to. In church family, again, I asked a question earlier, whether you've given your life to Jesus Christ. That is the most important thing, that if you have not done that, you need to know that that God loves you so much. He loves you. He knows what you've done. He knows whatever excuse maybe you've made to not give your life to him. And he's just waiting for you to come home. That's what God does. He's not here to to condemn you. If he was mad at you, he'd have got rid of you a long time, but he's not. He just wants you to come home. He wants you to be forgiven, but you have to give your life to Jesus Christ in order to get to heaven. There's two two destinies. There's heaven and there's hell. There's hell. I take that very serious. And if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, you need to understand something that if you refuse him and you reject him, the Bible says that we would spend eternity in hell, pay for our own sins for eternity. And that's a long time. But he paid the price for us. He wants us to come to him, but we have to ask him to be our savior. And if you've never made that decision and you would like to, I'm not going to point you out, but between me and you and God, if that's you, if you just lift your hand up, I want to pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you, but if that's you, we just just lift it up high so I can see. Is there anybody that needs to give their life to Jesus today? Okay. All right. I don't see any hands. I hope that means that everybody's right with God. If you're too afraid to, well, you can pray the prayer wherever you are, just a prayer of repentance, uh, acknowledging that, that we need Jesus to forgive us of our sins and come into our life to be our Lord and Savior. And Jesus, we thank you that you make it so easy to come to you. And I do ask, Lord, if there's one person, maybe they're online, maybe they're in here, that if they've not given their lives to you, that today they would just repent of their sins and give their hearts to you and know the peace that only comes from you. We love you and give you thanks for second chances. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, I preach shorter.